right, good morning, church. Let's stand to our feet. Let's worship the Lord together today. Thank to see you all.
Father, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. So come down, Spirit, when you move, you make my heart
just in this place this morning, just feel the balance of the Spirit. Just focus on the Lord. Let the anxiety, the, the problems, the cares go away. Just feel them dropping off of you as the Holy Spirit rests on us. Let's just wait on Him this morning. Just close your eyes. Just be in this moment, God. Right. 
Lord God, help us to wait on you in our work, in our play, God, in all things. Just help us to rely on you for everything. And God, we wait on you because you are strength, you are source, you know all things. With you, all things are possible. We worship you today, God. Let's give Jesus some praise in this place this morning, church. Amen. Well, good morning, church. You can have a seat. I just want to say welcome. If this is your first time here with us today, we are so glad that you are here today worshiping with us. A few things you can see right up there. We have a phone number, 904-441-6900. If you're a first-time guest, you've been coming here a little bit, or if you have a prayer request, anything like that, you can text CONNECT to 904-441-6900, and that'll pull up our digital connect card. Let us know that you're here. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Um, we do have a couple things coming up. You can always, always text that same number, and you can text NEWS, there it is, NEWS to 904-441-6900, and that will get you our digital bulletin. We have so much stuff going on in the life of our church. We can't tell you about it every single Sunday, but it is always in that bulletin. Check it out. Get to know what's going on here. But I have a few things that we do want to highlight. First, we have Trunk or Treat coming up October the 27th. We are so excited. It's always so fun. And we didn't get to have our normal, big, fun Trunk or Treat last year. So we are super excited this year to be having it again. October 27th from 6 to 8 p.m., it's going to be incredible. You want to be there. You want to invite your friends and your neighbors and maybe people you don't really like that much to be there. Just invite everybody to be there because it's going to be awesome. We are still looking for candy donations. If you can bring in individually wrapped candy, there's a table in the atrium. You can drop it off. And we're still looking for some people to decorate their trunks to give out candy. Um, go out to the, the table in the atrium, get some info, and sign up to help us out with that. We have a parent-child dedication coming up next Sunday. This is open for families with children birth through five years old. If you would like to just come forward and, and let our congregation know that you are planning to raise your child to know Christ and you would like your congregation, this church's help in doing that, sign up for that. Um, the deadline to sign up is tomorrow. So please make sure that you sign up by tomorrow. Email Miss Becky at kids at anastasiachurch.org to register. A few more things. Operation Christmas Child, we are collecting boxes. You probably saw them already out there in the atrium. Go pick up some information about what to put in them and bring in some boxes. We always have so much fun stuffing these boxes and sending these boxes around the world. And it is such an easy, easy way for you to be part of our mission as a church and to show that every person is important. Let's, um, let's bring in some boxes. And then finally, ladies, we have our I Pray event coming up November the 13th. This is an outreach luncheon. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be awesome. Again, there's a table in the atrium. Go out there, ladies, get some information on it so that way you can know and you can be here November the 13th. All right, everybody, right now, I encourage you to turn your attention to the screens, and we have a baptism going on in the sanctuary. Hey, good morning, church. Today is a very special day. We have 
uh, four uh, children have come forward to get baptized this morning, and I am joined in the sanctuary with all of our children's ministry. So if you hear uh, just yells of, and screams of joy this morning, it's from them this morning celebrating. And in the sanctuary, we want to hear you guys in the CLC rejoicing with these families and kids. So we're so excited for them this morning. I want to introduce you this morning to Logan Fisher. Logan, come on down, buddy. This is my friend Logan. We're so excited for him. Logan is a fifth grader, and uh, I'm so excited for you, Logan. Logan, what's your testimony of faith this morning? Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Amen, buddy. I'm so excited for you. Well, Logan, I'm going to turn this way. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ's death, raised to the newness of life. Let's make some noise for Logan. And I want to introduce you to Logan's sister, Nora Fisher. Come on down, Nora. Alright, Nora. Nora is in the second grade, and we are so excited for you this morning, Nora. And Nora, what is your testimony of faith this morning? Amen, amen. Well, Nora, based on your profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of Christ's death. <laughs> Raised to the newness of life. Let's make some noise for Nora. Next up, we have Sarah. Sarah's a, Sarah White, she's in the fourth grade, and we are so excited for you, Sarah. I'm going to turn this way so everybody can see you and rejoice with you. Sarah, what is your profession of faith? Baptism is my Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, based upon your profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ's death, raised to the newness of life. Amen. Let's make some noise for Sarah. All right. Special privilege this morning of baptizing somebody very special in my life. This is my daughter Olivia. Olivia is in the second grade. And we're so proud of her. And so, Olivia, what is your testimony in faith? That Jesus is my Savior and Lord. Amen. Olivia, based off of your profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of Christ's death. Raised to the nearness of life. All right. I'm going to have all of our friends come here this morning. We're going to pray over them. So all of our baptism candidates, will you come over here this morning? All right, church, join me in praying this morning for our baptism candidates. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for how you're working in the lives of these, Lord. We pray that you would use them in power of your name, that you would use them to share your gospel with so many, Lord. God, we are just rejoicing with them. We're so grateful for how you're working, Lord. Bless them. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you, church. I was really surprised Sam was able to keep it together. Well, good morning, Anastasia. Welcome, everybody. So yesterday, believe it or not, this stage did not look like this. It looked like a campsite. We had well close to 200 men who showed up for the first Champions event we had here yesterday. And we learned to be dangerous men. And I'm happy to report with the axe throwing, nobody got hurt. So our insurance premiums are going to stay down for next year's event. But what we wanted to do today is we wanted to come and give you a little bit of tidbit of what we had going on yesterday. So we asked 
our guest speaker, Brent Henderson, to come out and talk to you and share about what we've learned and how we can turn around and be champions for Christ and become dangerous in our lives to fight off the enemy. Now, think about this. Brent travels the world hunting bears and all these other things. So he showed us a segment yesterday with lions. So instead of just introducing Brent today, I thought we can give him a good Anastasia roar. So on one, two, three, we're going to roar. And we're going to use the Brent. So one, two, three. Oh, come on, Anastasia. I think you could do better than that. One more time. These guys, we had 200 guys that rocked the place yesterday. You could do better than that. One, two, three. Brent Henderson. I love watching the baptisms because what that is is a profession of faith that I now have the roar within. The roar within is not what I do, it's what Christ did. It's his spirit inside of mine. Ephesians chapter 1 says that the moment that I truly believed, God gave me his promised Holy Spirit. He put it inside of me. It's a stamp. It's a seal guaranteeing my inheritance into the kingdom of heaven. That is a reason to roar because your identity is no longer in in the good things you've done or in the bad things you've done. It's totally 100% in what Christ did for you. Amen? Amen. So... And and my new book, which is out there this morning, you'll see it's called The Roar Within. I have a a little slide on the very front of this, if I can, there we go. So how do we reclaim this this life of purpose we're going to be talking about this morning? And courage, courage, you know where that comes from, and confidence. You know, confidence, we think about that, it's not arrogance. Confidence isn't rooted in pride. Confidence isn't walking into a room thinking you're better than everyone else. Confidence is walking into a room knowing you don't have to compare yourself to anyone. Because you have the God of the universe, his roar inside of you. Let that sink in for a second. The one who made everything that there is. Loved you so much, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. He sent his son to die for you so that you don't have to worry anymore. You don't have to walk in fear. You can walk in confidence of knowing who you really are in him. Oh, the power revealed the moment the lion cub roared and understood who he really was. You see, it's not up to how many kills that a lion cub makes that gives him that roar, right? It's called imputed. God gave that lion cub his roar. It's so important to realize it's not what we have done, what we do. It's our putting our faith, hope, and trust and receiving him as Lord and Savior that he gives us himself. He gives us his good enough. It's called imputed righteousness. Just like it doesn't matter how many kills that lion cub has done, it doesn't matter what your works were. Now, will you do good things as a believer? Of course you will. But that has nothing to do with your salvation. You will do those things because you can't not do those things once you understand the beauty and the grace and the power and the love.
sin, they might not think as highly of me. Where does that lie come from? You go back into Genesis, and you've got Adam and Eve. They've now eaten from the tree of knowledge, which they weren't supposed to be doing. And God is in the garden. He's walking around. He's looking for them, and he calls out to them, and he says, where are you? And Adam responds with, we're hiding, right? And God says, why are you hiding? He says, because we're naked. And then God says to them, who told you that you were naked? And for the first time, they begin to look over their shoulder. Shame and fear had now come into this world. You see, the enemy doesn't want you to know who you really are. Because if you did, you would be very dangerous to him. I said yesterday to the guys, I said, when a man knows who he is in Christ, that he's created in the image of the living God, when he is no longer held captive by the opinions of others or cares whether he lives or dies, that man is now extremely dangerous. Not for bad, but dangerous for good. God has given you his roar. But there have been things that have quieted us through the years, ever since we were born. How many of you said, now I've said my ABCs, tell me what you think of me? That's the way I was taught it. It wasn't next time won't you sing with me. When I was a kid, it was tell me what you think of me. Even from the very beginning, it was about our performance. What if I don't do my ABCs right? Are you not going to think as highly of me? And that has lasted our whole lifetime. I call it the performance wheel. We find ourselves getting on this performance wheel, trying to find our good enough from what we do and what other people think about us. From a very young age, it's been indoctrinated right into us. And part of the problem we see even now is we've got to be taught how to think instead of what to think. There's a huge difference between those two things. God wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And how do we do that? We're going to unpack that a little bit this morning. When we, when we go to become dangerous in our own life against the enemy, when the enemy's coming after us with his flaming arrows that he shoots at every single one of us, what is our weapon? What is our defense? What is our shield? What is that, that helmet of salvation, the, 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 the sword of right? All these different things that we have, what are those? How do I find them? How do I use them? I think this morning you're going to find this pretty interesting. This is the big lie that we all buy into right here. The big lie says that my performance, how I perform, plus other people's opinions, what you think about me, equals my self-worth. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Never buy into this, but I guarantee you, many of us have already done it today, worried about how we're going to look when we get there this morning. We're getting our good enough from what other people think about me. Do I look righteous? Am I carrying my Bible? Do I, am I quoting scripture? What is it that we're doing to pose, in other words, to try to make it look like we have the roar? But inside, we're afraid that if people knew this about us, why would you care what anybody else thinks about you? Because the only one whose opinion matters is whose? It's God's. I bought into this lie for years. I was in Christian music for many, many years, touring with some of the biggest names in Christian music, and it made me feel like a somebody. Because as a kid, I felt like a nobody. I was the skinniest kid in school, graduated school at 118 pounds. I could turn sideways, stick my tongue out, and look like a zipper. I mean, I was so skinny. And I hated myself. But then all of a sudden, I found out that I had this gift in music. 
And I was touring with Stephen Curtis Chapman and Sandy Patty and Avalon and Crystal Lewis and the Gaithers and all these names that I used to love to kind of drop when I was younger because it made me feel like I had worth and value. Wow, if I'm connected to them, then I must have something worthy, right, of others going, wow. Because I didn't understand, I already had the roar within as a believer. I was giving my power, my control, my, my worth and value to everybody else around me. Hey, will you sign this? Wow, if I felt like I was somebody, because they must be, they, they wanted me to sign an autograph, I must be someone. And so out on these tours, you begin to feel like somebody, but then the buses would get home, you go back to the house, and you're changing poopy diapers just like anybody else. Can I say poopy? Is that all right? And you begin to feel like an anybody. And then the next tour would come back, and you'd feel like somebody, and then that one's over with, and you feel like an anybody. And then tour was over long enough that people begin to forget your name and you begin to feel like a nobody. You see, whenever we buy into this lie, our self-worth is absolutely destroyed and we are held captive to the opinions of others and being on what I call the performance wheel, right? You've seen those before, like the hamster that's on there. And once we get on that performance wheel, it's, it's hard to get off and we all know what snakes do to hamsters, right? That's what the enemy wants to do with us. So that this is the big lie, the big truth has to be, no, it's not my performance and others' opinions. It's got to be God's performance and God's opinion that equals my worth and value. Amen? So in my new book called The Roar Within, and I do have those back in the back this morning, I'm only going to unpack a little bit of this because we don't have time. But what I did is in my, my private group on Facebook, and Facebook Live, hi everybody out there, um, it's called Dangerous Men. And I had several hundred men in this group about a year and a half ago. Now, the new book was already written, but it hadn't been published yet. And I felt God was moving. There was something happening. And so he had me kind of look back at the big five man killers in Africa. Now, you've got, when you think about the big five man killers in Africa, you've got the rhino, you've got the lion, you've got the Cape buffalo, you've got the elephant, and you've got the leopard. And what I did in this book was I gave each one of those animals to what I call the big five man killers that take us all down, not just men in this room. But this list came out of questioning all these men. I gave them about 15 different things and I said, in order from the most uh, important struggle that you have, I want you to put these in order. Honestly, I thought lack of respect because we know men, we have to have that respect because somehow we feel like we're not good enough if we're not being respected. But it wasn't lack of respect and it wasn't lust. I thought that would be up there or anger. The number one man killer I discovered from all these hundreds of men was lack of purpose. See, if you're believing that you're good enough comes from what everybody else thinks about you or your performance and you're stuck in that, you're always going to be trying to do something to get their good opinion of you. But here's the thing. God has a plan for your life in the way he made you. You don't have to try to be like me or the pastor or the worship leader or someone you see on television or whatever it is. To think that if you could just do that or have that kind of attention that you'd be good enough, God has a specific plan, destiny, purpose for you. And as you mature as a believer, he begins to unveil more and more of those chapters that are happening in your life. But the thing is, he says, no, give me all of you. And I will steer that ship. Let me take control of that. Look at your gifts. Look at your talents. Follow my voice. And he will do mighty things. I promise you. I promise you. And so when I begin to unpack this, it's really cool because 
Baker Publishing, who, had, who has my new book, they had the transcript for the new book, and we thought that was going to be it. They were going to take it as is. But then when COVID hit, everything got pushed back about six months. And I thought at the time, wow, what am I going to do? My new book was supposed to be coming out on March 14th of last year. Every single speaking event that I had canceled because of COVID. Now, as a writer and as a speaker, you're going, wow, what just happened to my purpose? What am I going to do? Was this an attack of the enemy? Perhaps. But God has a way of working all things for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so he allowed me to sit in that because I was finding I was getting my good enough from what I would write or how I would speak or what other people were thinking of me. It began to happen again, and I didn't even see it coming. So God allowed me to sit there for quite a while until all of a sudden he unveiled five new chapters in the book which weren't even in there originally, which is the big five man killers. Now let me show you what this might look like if it's playing out. Imagine this for a second. You've got, uh, let's say a man lost his job or a woman, it doesn't matter who it is. You, lo- you lost your, your job. And so there is your lack of purpose. You're going, now what am I going to do? Well, what ends up happening is, say a man lost his job and his wife goes, you just got to go out and find anything. We need the money right now. Well, he begins to feel disrespected, right? And when he feels disrespected, that anger under the hood begins to rear its ugly head. And the next thing you know, it might drive him to lust. It doesn't have to be lust as far as pornography or affairs. It can be anything you lust after. It can be food. It can be money. It can be whatever. And then after that, what ends up happening? The enemy comes in and he says, yeah, look what you just did. You should be ashamed of yourself. The garden, he looks over your shoulder, right? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you should feel shame? Who told you you should be feeling that way about that sin you did five years ago, let alone five hours ago? Wait a second. See, when we know God's voice, we know Romans 8, 1 is true. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So then how do we start to break free you know, of all this stuff. Imagine that if we could shed the shame attached to our nakedness like a snake sheds its skin. The reason snakes shed their skin is because they've they got to allow for continuing growth to remove the parasites that may have attached to their old skin. Shame is like a parasite that sticks with us, keeping us from being able to experience the purpose God planned for us. So then, how do we shed our shame and live a life of purpose, courage, and confidence? This is one of the ways in which he does it. We talked about the big lie, but what does he do? Past and future thinking. He wants to keep your thoughts either in the past, which is all about regret, if only I would have done this, or in the future. What if I lose my job? What if I go through a divorce? What if my daughter gets pregnant? What if my son is on drugs? What if? What does God say about tomorrow? Not to worry about it. I want you to try something for a second. I want you to try to have an unhealthy, an unhealthy emotion. But here's the thing. Thoughts are what create your emotions. You don't just have an, an emotion. It's a thought that creates. It's what you're thinking. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to try to have an unhealthy emotion. But the only thing is you are not allowed to think about anything from your past or anything about your future. Go. You can't do it. Because it's always connected to past or future. But God is always in the present with us. And he wants us to stay with him. Even in our purpose, Blackaby, when he talks about this, he says, watch where God is moving and then join him in it. 
We all think we somehow have to be used by God to, to create. We have to create some purpose in order to be good enough. No. God's already moving. Watch what he's doing and follow him. You'll find your purpose. How beautiful it is that it's, it's up to him with what's going on. But these lies that we're buying into, how do I know then if that thought that I just had, did it come from the pizza I had last night? Did it come from God or did it come from the enemy? Here's how you know. If that thought that you had created an emotion that lines up with the deeds of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5, you know, fear, lust, rage, anger, all that stuff, you know there's a lie twisted in with what you're thinking. And you have to unravel it. What is the lie? But if that thought creates emotions that line up with the fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, patience, joy, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, you know that that thought that you had is coming from God. I want to unpack something for you, which is so cool. Now, in cognitive therapy, we talk about how our thoughts create emotions and emotions create actions. So that's what cognitive therapy teaches. So if the thought is, I must succeed, look what happens to my emotion. I'm going to have anxiety. I'm going to have fear. I'm going to have doubt. I'm going to have worry, right? Because I must succeed if that's my thought. And then look what happens to my action. I become a workaholic. I could become an alcoholic, a drug addict, a porn addict, whatever, if the pressure to succeed is there. That's really my thought. Now what I want to do is I want to mix in works-based theology. Now, works-based theology means that it's what Jesus did, yeah, but it's a lot of what I do too. I have to do all these things in order to be good enough. So then if my belief is it is a lot of it is up to me, look what happens. My thought doesn't change. I still have to succeed. My emotion stays the same and my unhealthy actions stay the same because I'm still believing somehow that my good enough comes from what I do. Now, here's the beautiful thing. We're going to take that and we're going to move it now to grace-based theology, the New Testament, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which means that my good enough, my roar, comes from Christ being in me, his performance, not mine. Now, look at this. My value comes because God is in me. My righteousness comes from him, not from what I do. Now look at my thought. I don't have to succeed to be good enough. Why? Because I'm already righteous. God gave me his righteousness at my core. Now, in my flesh, do I still sin? Yes, but that's not the eternal part of me. See, my righteousness is as filthy rags. But at the core of who I am, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, I'm made up of a body, soul, and a spirit. The eternal part of me is my spirit. And that is where God puts himself inside of me the moment that I truly believe. Paul says in Romans 7, I do the things I don't want to do, but it's not really me doing it. What's he talking about? In my flesh, do I have sin? Yes. In my thoughts, do I have it? Yes. The enemy can, can mess with our flesh. We know that. He can mess with our thoughts. But once you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the enemy cannot mess with your spirit. That belongs to God. Yes, absolutely. Can you see how powerful it is when you know that the roar within of who you really are, Christ in you, when you live out of that place, you don't have to fear anymore. You don't have to worry about not being good enough. You don't have to try to do someone else's purpose. You can be and do exactly who God made you to be. How beautiful that is. I want to share you, uh, I'll share with you a picture. This is my wife standing in front of a house I took this picture a few years ago. This is my wife, Stacy. Um, I hope you get to meet her this morning. She'll be back at the back. 
She was abandoned by her mother at the age of eight. Um, never knew who her father was. She, for over 30 years, was searching, trying to find out who her dad was. After her mom left, would never give her any information. Honestly, we don't even think she knew, if that tells you a lot about that situation. When we got married, you know, it was brokenness. I would find her sometimes in the closet, curled up in the fetal position, crying, that lack of a father, the lack of, of wondering who she is, her own purpose, because, you see, what a child almost always knows about God comes from their earthly father. If you had a father that was really involved in your life, you might see God as being very involved in your life. But if you had a father that was abusive, you might see God as just waiting to get you for whatever it is you've done, right? God doesn't punish you. Are there consequences? Yes. But that's not punishment. Jesus took the punishment. Consequences steer us in the right direction so we know what's good for us. Any good parent disciplines their child. It's loving to do that. If you had a a home you grew up in and you never knew who your father was, you might have a hard time even believing God exists. And that's what was so hard for Stacy. But I got to tell you something. You know, she struggled with, with wondering if God is real. God, do you really see me? Do you really care? Do you have a purpose for my life? Well, after so many years of her trying to find and nothing ever happened, we got a DNA F of ancestry, this kit. Some private investigator saw her story because we weren't finding any results through this. And she got involved. And the next thing you know, some woman's name popped up who had just gotten an ancestry DNA kit a few months later. And the numbers showed that she had to be her sister. So she reaches out, this, this private investigator reaches out, finds out who she was. And she goes, well, you know, I also have a half sister. So she contacts that woman and gets her to take the DNA test. Now, you tell me. That's my, my, my wife on that side, and that is her sister, the second match that she just got. There's no question of the resemblance. She tested so high, she had the highest DNA of any of the, of the relatives that she was able to find. Well, here's the coolest thing in the world. All these years of wondering and sobbing and crying and, God, where are you? Do you not see me? I feel so alone. Is there anybody else out there? And this pops up. And here's the coolest thing in the world. Stacy made this post on Facebook just this week that we were coming down to St. Augustine. And the one sister that you're seeing up here, both of them, one's in Baltimore, one's in Jacksonville, set it up so that the one from Baltimore could fly in here. And after the men's event yesterday, Stacy and I went downtown here in St. Augustine. And for the very first time, the three of them met. There was closure. They were able to talk about, you know, her father. And he would have wanted to know who she was. But it wasn't maybe the story that she would have necessarily wanted to hear about her dad. And in a way, I'm kind of glad. Because there wasn't any of this, oh, he was a wonderful dad. You missed out on so much. It was no. He would have wanted to have known you, but he probably would have let you down in some way. But here's the beautiful thing. God will never let you down. Even when you are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. You know, I don't know. Um, well, let me just show you. Here's, uh, if I can get this to work. Here's the three of them last night. I mean, can you see the resemblance on these two? It's crazy. But as we got there last night and all the meal was around, never having met them, they asked, would you guys like to pray for the meal tonight? Wow. 
Yes, one chapter has now closed. Her father had passed away 10 years ago. We found that out. But she has two new sisters, and a whole new book is opening up. God has that book for you. And he wants you to be healed. He doesn't want you. Does God want us broken? Well, yes, he wants you broken because he wants you to depend on him. But does he want you to stay broken? No. He wants you healed. Whatever that thing is that, that is tyrannizing you, that the enemy, those flaming arrows that he's shooting in your life, that's creating shame, that's knocking you down, that's keeping you away from the purpose God has for your life. I don't care whether you're 8 years old, 18 years old, or 88 years old. It doesn't matter. If you're still here, God has a purpose for your life, but the enemy wants to keep saying, you're naked. You're exposed. Remember what you did? You let that roar come out, and you let him know you have what it takes because Jesus Christ, the creator, is inside of you. You know, this morning, I don't know your story. I don't know your background, but I know everybody in here has a story. We have a hurt. And, you know, is there anything magical about the altar or, or this? No. But is there anything magical about the one that we come to meet? Absolutely. So this morning, you know, as, as we move toward the, the, the end of this service, I just pray that somehow that the Holy Spirit begin to move inside of you and says, you know what? You've been broken long enough. I want to put those pieces back together. Maybe you're going, God, why do you always seem to wait to the 11th hour? I think sometimes it's because he wants to know that you are now putting all your faith, hope, and trust in him and not in yourself or in other people. Because the only one whose opinion matters is whose? It's God's. This morning, as we wrap up the service, if you've been feeling held back, maybe you've got fear, or you've got hurt, and you really do want to give this all over and say, God, please, I want to know your purpose. Father, I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I have one life. Maybe you want to reconcile with someone that maybe you haven't been a good parent to or a good friend to. Or maybe you're the one who's feeling lost and alone and you need to know that God really is there. I just want to invite you. You can do it in your seat. You can come on down and pray. But as I pray this morning, if you feel the move of the Holy Spirit, whatever he's leading you to do, listen and obey. Jesus, You're so good. Lord, you know our innermost being, and sometimes those arrows, it's like you keep letting them hit the same place. And it feels cruel sometimes, and we don't understand why, but what you're really doing is allowing them to keep hitting so that we finally go, enough. God, I am giving this to you. I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm worn. I need a protector. I need to know that no matter what's going to happen, you've got my back. And so I'm done. I'm going to let go of all the stuff I've been trying to control. Where there needs to be reconciliation, Father God, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be obedient because now it not only sets them free, it sets me free. Have your way, Father, this morning. Move us to listen to you. Heal us. Heal us. Let us know 
that because of you, we are enough. Jesus' name. Lord leads.
thank you so much for being here. We're so grateful for Brent. He's going to be out in the atrium if you'd like to meet with him for just a minute and grab one of his books. But uh, just as we go, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would send us out in your power, Lord Jesus. God, help us, God, Father, to know our purpose in you and boldly share our faith in you, Lord Jesus. We love you so much, God. Give us your grace and peace as we go. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you, church.